and thanks for listening. This is Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. God's grace is for you, and if you're in the Milwaukee area, we'd love to get to know you. Please visit www.gracedowntown.org to contact us, find out about worship times, or learn more about what we're up to in Milwaukee. That's www.gracedowntown.org. It's Daniel Bondo again, pastor at Grace in Milwaukee, with Pastor Jim Hebner. How are you today? I am just ducky. Nice to see you. Here we are again. I know. Podcast it, time. It feels like it's, it's been a while. It has been a while. And But that's a wonderful thing that we can be back. We have like a couple uh, final closing tear-filled weeks of Bible reading challenge. Tear-filled? What's the tear-filled? Because it's it, coming to an end, is that? Yeah, I suppose. But it's also um, <laughs> joyous tears as we yeah. look forward to like doing tears it again. Tears of celebration. Doing not, other things. Are you handing out t-shirts, I live through a Bible challenge or that, something? You have great I ideas. was going to do that once for our Roadmaps class, and I survived, you know, Roadmaps of Bible reading. And yeah. I made it through the Bible challenge t-shirt. That's good promotion. If you're out there and would <laughs> like to design a t-shirt and print <laughs> off a couple, we will gladly take them and distribute. <laughs> That would be really, really fun. And put a little, like, most certainly true logo on that Oh, there you go. I like that. You know? Because you've got a logo. I know you do. Shameless promotion. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, So in front of us this week, and I think we'll have one one more before we wrap things up, Mm -hmm. people have been spending in our Bible Reading Challenge closing weeks a lot of time in some bigger books, like Revelation is not so tiny, but... And then the book of Job. And mm-hmm. so that one we're going to hit next week, but we're going to do Fantastic. Revelation. Maybe this is backwards, but so be it. Mm-hmm. So um, as we gathered together, I was thinking about how I was this close. I don't know if you remember this, but as we planned uh, our trip overseas, yes, I was, I'm holding my fingers out about an inch. Yeah. I was an inch away. An inch away uh, from? From being on Patmos. Almost on that Patmos. almost that, I, I mean that almost happened in our plans. That's, we never got physically oh. close to the island, but it almost happened in our because we wanted to pick an island. You could have pretended you could like do, you were in exile just for a while. Exactly. You could have like just, just tune out. Thought about visions coming from God. <laughs> yeah, like ditch the phone yeah. and see what happens. <laughs> Maybe that's when visions come. <laughs> Otherwise, like hello, Crete. Pastor Bondo, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, I'm not. That, my phone is not ringing. It's who's calling? Wait, it's, first I have to write this. Jim. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But the island of Crete was a possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking for a Bible Bible things. We ended up right. on Samothrace, which has like a shout out in scripture. It but does. that's about that's, it. Yeah. 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 You picked a good one then. But uh, yeah. isn't that something? You were that close. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was possible to try to do like Ephesus and Asia Minor and, and get the Patmos off the oh, coast. Oh, the whole Aegean Sea. That would have yeah. been a lot of time. So we didn't pull it off, but another trip, another day. Because then if you're over there in Ephesus, then you'd been pulled inland to Colossae and had to see that and whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how that would have felt. So we know why I brought that up, because it has to do with the book of Revelation. Sure. So why don't we uh, do what we love to do and set a little context for the writing of Revelation, Apostle John, and what was going on? Well, it's, I think, maybe the context of the whole Bible, right? Just everybody knows it's the end. (laughs) And likely one of the last with John's writing his gospel in three letters— 
Yeah. Um, don't you feel that this might be the last one that he, God inspired him to write? Who knows the sequence? But, mm-hmm. you know, you're at the end, right, of the New Testament, and there mm-hmm. you are. And, and it's also unique. I, I think maybe uh, the half of, last half of the book of Daniel and a good chunk of Ezekiel, there's nothing else in Scripture really like it, maybe some of Zechariah. But the uniqueness of Revelation has, I believe, caused Christians, people, Bible readers, a little bit of anxiety and fear. And I've heard people, you probably have too, oh, I don't get it, or I can't read that, it's just too confusing. Yeah. Or, you know, they then layer on the caricatures that they've heard from around them that, ooh, this is a prediction book of thus and so of some historical events past or future. And yeah, if you dig through it right and play the game right and know how to do Revelation, you'll figure out exactly when Judgment Day will be. Or, you know, all kinds of weird ideas, like, mm-hmm. which is not true. It's just, mm-hmm. these. so there are caricatures about the book. There's fear about the book because it is unique and it is filled with picture and language and figurative speech. So, I mean, okay. we'll grant that up front. So there's a lot of people who, uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, this is, I, I don't think I can do it. When I would rather share with our podcast listeners and our Bible readers that this is just, this is the capstone. This is the most gorgeous thing you're going to have a chance to absorb. It's not a, not even one of those you just zip through in a hurry. And you can, but then you got to do it again and again. And mm-hmm. after a while, it starts to soak in. Mm-hmm. And the spectacular, the spectacular message of comfort mm-hmm. for real people in a real world gone bad and the gleaming, glorious victory of our Lord Jesus shining through that's ours for now and forever is the <sighs> message. And it's just unbelievably, unbelievably. cool. Wow. This is the book. This Can we explore it. that a little more? Of Let's course we it. are. But well, there are, there are in the book. Then there are I in my read on it, and and you you know have your own thing. There's I I see four things. Let me have to step back a second. And uh, if you don't mind, so you know John, who is the apostle living, and we're probably ninety ninety five A D ish, and the others have been martyred as far as we know from outside history, and the Lord Jesus Himself has been invisible now for <laughs> sixty some years, mm-hmm. and. But he's the beloved disciple, so he's the author. And in his ministry as the leader of churches along the left coast of what we call Turkey or Asia Minor, um, with with headquarters probably Ephesus, he, um, for various persecuting-type reasons, gets exiled onto this island. You mentioned it, Patmos, off Mm -hmm. the coast. Mm -hmm. And there is when the Lord Jesus himself appears in a unique way, we don't know how this all happened, and uh, delivered to John a vision, which is we call the revelation of Jesus Christ through his apostle John. A uh, little sidebar comical stuff. I have heard people over time talk about reading the revelations. There, it's not plural. <laughs> it's not, it is the revelation. It yeah. is singular. Yeah. And this, this vision, though, this is the unique thing about it, has within it seven visions. And I love the number because that'll come into our talk a little bit later. But uh, yeah. so, you know, it's it's God revealing in a unique way directly to John what he wants. And I, I often mm-hmm. have described it like this. Um, let's, let's say you're going into an art museum mm-hmm. and there's people, I don't like art. I don't like art music. I don't, I don't get it. Well, mm-hmm. you know, here's the deal. You're, you're looking at 
seven different paintings of the same thing, but painted, let's say, by different people. And it's seven scenes that really are the same, but each is unique and each has its own sort of flavor and style, but they are really the same. And that's Mm -hmm. really what the revelation is. There's in it seven visions, and it's really seven paintings, seven pictures of a message. In my mind, it kind of recurs like this. There's themes that run through all these visions. Yeah. And some more than others, but there's what? You find, here's one, there's conflict. We are Christians. We're living in a sinful world. We're going to have flack. It's going to be tough. Um, sometimes in Lutheran talk, we talk about theology of the cross, you know, they know yeah, we're going to have bear crosses, we're going to mm-hmm. have it foisted on us, it's going to be caused by our own sinfulness. We live in the world, the life, you know, like, life is a bowl of cherries and sometimes mostly pits, you know, it, it's just mm-hmm. the way it is, and it's, it's, it's a message of reality. So there's, con- Christians are living in a world in which they're surrounded by people and by thoughts and ideas that are contrary to the truths of Scripture and what they know and believe. Conflict. Mm-hmm. Then you have, there is a there is the reality that also in our sinful world, the falling away, that there will be people who have either heard or glommed onto or grasped for a time, and then fall away. There's there's the big word we have is apostasy. You know, there's false teaching and a falling away from the truth. This is a reality in the world in which we live. Jesus predicted it would happen. Uh, you know, in Matthew. 24, when he talks about the end of times, Mm -hmm. that from his invisibility on ascension to his coming again in glory, how many Mm -hmm. thousands or millions of years that will be, we don't know, but that's going to happen. There will be a falling away. And then the other part, uh, another theme is that Jesus intervenes with his glorious, righteous judgment and his activity and his work and his saving, and he then it says to those Christians who are under this conflict and witnessing apostasy and falling away, hang in there, don't fall away, because guess what? You're in the end, you're a winner, because I'm a winner, I'm victorious, you will win, you'll come out, you'll be all right. And then the fourth theme that I see woven into this book and these visions is the final glorious judgment, and guess what? The end, you're going to be in heaven, and it's going to be beyond spectacular. Mm-hmm. So I see the conflict that we live in. I see apostasy of falling away that bothers us. I see Jesus' victory that impacts us gloriously, and then eventually that is eternally a great... Those mm-hmm. themes are, in my mind, woven into each of these seven visions, maybe not as specifically as I mentioned. So then you have... This book is structured with seven visions. Mm-hmm. F- the first three fit together kind of under that theme. The church is, believers are in the world, and it's not easy. There's there's enemies to Christianity and to their faith. The last four is Jesus is the winner. And guess what? You get to be on his team. And that's kind of how this book goes. Am I going too fast? Into, no, I So like you, that. you open it up with an introduction that's just unbelievably gorgeous and rich with meaning and language, and then you have a conclusion in Revelation chapter 22 that is just as rich, and in between are these seven visions. The seven, first mm-hmm. is the seven, the letters to the seven churches, ESP, TSPL, mm-hmm. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, uh, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Right. So yeah. those, those yeah. seven letters to the seven. Then the second vision is the vision of the seven seals. And then, you know, like a book is sealed up and has to be opened, and only mm-hmm. the Lamb of God can do this. Mm-hmm. And then the third one in this half of the book is the seven trumpets. And after each of these visions, one, two, and three, the letters and the seals and the trumpets, there's an interlude. 
as you're listening to the book or reading mm-hmm. through the book. And it's a glorious interlude that God sticks in there. Mm-hmm. Second half of the book, you got four more visions. And then you have um, the seven um, visions. It's, it's kind of funny. You have seven visions in the book. The fourth one is seven visions. <laughs> it's, it's one of the visions has seven visions, which is kind of mm-hmm. funny. But that's where you get, you know, like the, the woman and the dragon, you know, and yeah. you have the, the, the lamb and you have yeah. the, the, the beast of the sea, the beast of the earth, and all that's in there in chapters 12 to 15. Then, then, then you have the seven bowls of wrath in 16. Then the last two visions are Jesus beating Antichrist and Jesus defeating Satan. Mm-hmm. Chapter 17, 18, then 19 to 21. So mm-hmm. those are the seven visions, three and four. The first three have interludes after them, and they're all painting the same picture with those themes. Yes. And that's that's kind of how I look at this book and soak it in. But the tricky part, I think, for Bible readers and listeners and whatever, if you're new to audio-wise, is it, it, it does help. It does help to have an understanding of some of the figures of speech, some of the pictures— and it, particularly that a lot of them are coming from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And it does help if you have a handle on that. Yeah. How God uses those Old Testament pictures, how God uses numbers, how God, in this picture book. Mm-hmm. Which so. is something of an interpretive anchor to mm-hmm. say this isn't some completely and entirely <laughs> foreign concepts to, yes. uh, well, an Old Testament mind, somebody who's been minding and mm-hmm. reading Ezekiel and Daniel, Zechariah, you're going to have yep. the language and so some familiar, oh, that's some familiarity yep. with with what they saw in Revelation, and I think that's If you anchoring. know in your Old Testament the building of that tent where they worshiped the tabernacle, the tent, mm-hmm. and then double in size to make the temple, you know that the main room had one source of light, the golden lampstand. Mm-hmm. And light symbolizing, you know, opposite of darkness and sin and evil is God and his goodness and love and light. And and so it didn't, doesn't surprise us that in Revelation you're going to have a reference to a golden lampstand. You know, mm-hmm. that's a, oh, that's the, that's the love of our God coming to us and lighting up our life with his holy word and precious promises. You know, it, mm-hmm. th- so some of these pictures are pretty easy to figure out. You know, you have in the Old Testament the sacrificial lamb from the Passover on and all that stuff and all the other sacrifices. Well, in the Revelation, Jesus is pictured as a lamb. He doesn't have, you right. know, a cute little nose and wool and a little tail. He's, he's the sacrificial lamb. I mean, yeah. that's... yeah. So these pictures, some of them are pretty easy to pick out. A couple of other ones are a little... Mm-hmm. Odd, but you get what you get is from this book, like impressions, you know. Yeah, I like the way you you mentioned uh, like an art museum because I think when you if you're viewing these visions like that art, yeah, you'd say I I can get a sense of what the artist is trying to picture. Uh huh. But I if I I think our respect for God's word, people end up reading it and thinking, well, every word matters, every detail mm-hmm. matters, and they kind of want to look at every last brushstroke and have it have it come out rather than maybe mm-hmm. maybe not all the details are are meant to be straight lines, but a fleshing something out that mm-hmm. at least take away this overarching mm-hmm. bigger picture of the themes that you were you were uh-huh. talking about. Yep. And I think that that's helpful for people. Uh, yeah, and there you know the I mentioned in passing now this business of not only using pictures, but for example, in this book, God will use numbers in a picture way. Mm-hmm. And that, if you just have that in your back pocket, 
or mm-hmm. let's just say tucked in the back of your mind. It solves a lot. You could get the imagery, and you could get what God is saying when he says, you know, there's 144,000 people in heaven who are around the throne and everything. And mm-hmm. But if you know the significance of the numbers used in a picture way, it, it helps a lot more. You know, for example, we know that in in Scripture, and certainly in this picture book, three is often a number associated with God. He's three in one, right? Mm-hmm. You have the threefold... Aaron blessing, you have the, you know, the, the Shema, the, listen, hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord, mm-hmm. one, two, three, is one, you know, three in one. We have that in Old Testament. We have Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So we, three is a, a thing that happens for us as Bible readers about God. We also know four is, is a number for the world, four directions, north, south, east, and west, four, the four corners of the earth, the four winds. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's language we're common with. When God is going to connect himself in love to the world, then it shouldn't surprise us that seven is a special number for the relationship of God in love to the world. Mm-hmm. It just happens that way. And then, mm-hmm. sure enough, don't you know, in the Old Testament, God used that number seven for his Old Testament Israelites to give him a cycle of Sabbaths. You rest every seventh day. Every seventh month, there's going to be festivals Mm -hmm. in Jerusalem. Every seventh year, you let your land go fallow. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, seven times seven, 49, the 50th year, the golden jubilee. And, you know, these sevens, they're just, they they have that built into them. Right. So that's, you know, then you also have, now we have the influence of Greek culture. And Hebrews had a little sense of this, but in Greek culture, and if you're going to go to the Olympics and you're in a gymnast, you know, and what do you get judged? You get a perfect score of 10, 10 right? Because it's complete, it's perfect, it's full. Well, they thought about that too. And so God and Jesus in his vision to John uses that number 10 for completeness and wholeness and fullness and perfection. The number 12 in the Old Testament, you think of what, 12 tribes of the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. How about the 12 apostles? Mm-hmm. You know, why is that number 12 there? Well, that's a number that was the tribes and the apostles. Well, and then you get to 144,000 and you want to have a picture number for everybody who's a believer in Jesus, mm-hmm. Old or New Testament, from Adam and Eve all the way to the end of time are going to be there in heaven, everybody. Mm-hmm. How do you say that with pictures? Well, let's take all the believers of the Old Testament, 12 tribes, all the believers of the New Testament, 12 apostles, multiply that, and then let's take that, 12 cubed, 12 squared, and multiply that by perfection, completeness, wholeness, 10 mm-hmm. cubed. Well, now you've got 144,000. It's the number that says yeah. all believers of all time will yeah. be there. The God mm-hmm. is not standing at the heavenly gates, you know, with like you go into Miller Park and you go through the turnstile and it's <laughs> 143,999. Okay, click, Pastor click, Bondo, click, you're click. in, Pastor Hebner. Sorry, we're full. <laughs> you know, not like that. No way. No, so this is picture stuff. And I think that, so then you get into these other like uh, the interludes, oh, go ahead. you know, yeah. and I'm going to go with, with that, you know, so then you get these multiples of 12 or 10, you know, so there's 12 elders around the throne. Well, when you have this kind of in your head mm-hmm. that this is a number, well, that would have to be then representatives of God's church from Old and New Testament, 12 plus 12 is 24. You know that? Mm-hmm. So then you go, oh, I get the picture I'm looking at on the wall in the art museum, or I'm getting this vision in Revelation, mm-hmm. in the, even though I don't have to go at every brushstroke, I can sense this, because this is in the back of my mind. Yeah, the, These are representatives of the entire church, 12 elders around the throne, you know, that kind of thing. This is an important discussion, because... Because it's not like in the, there's this little um, appendix in the book of Revelation that says, and here's the code, by the way, to the numbers. <laughs> and I think people may honestly ask, you know, are you are 
are we just kind of making this up? Are we just throwing mud at the wall to see if it sticks with the three and the four <laughs> and the seven and the, t- you know, but I think to flesh it out a little bit and yeah. to say, obviously this isn't, um, this isn't something that we're, we're merely inventing because it's fun to invent, but we're drawing things from mm-hmm. the book itself. Uh, and the rest viewing, of scripture. Viewing mm-hmm. scripture as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a difference between a literal interpretation of revelation where you kind of let the, you let the genre, the text speak for itself, and what's like a literalistic, literalistic where you press the details. Yeah. A thousand must mean a thousand, yeah. and one forty-four thousand yeah. must be a hundred forty-four thousand. Jesus will reign for a thousand years. Okay, I'm counting. You right. know, I'm counting well, like, Take, up to the, our, yeah. in our time frame. No, and that's ten times ten times. He reigns forever. You know, yeah. or you know, in this full complete time in the New Testament era is what that is talking. Mm-hmm. But I, you, you were going to say it. I heard it coming out. You know, so God is three in one, and if His number of love to people and in the God godly number is seven, well, seven, 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 but if you're the devil mm-hmm. and you want to fool people and make them think that you're like God, well, then how are you going to represent that numerically in the picture language book? You're going to be close, but just short of what God is. So yeah. the devil's number would have to be six, 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 right? Mm-hmm. That's how that comes, you know, so that's, yeah. he's just short because he's trying to fool you right. into thinking he's God when he's not. Mm-hmm. So the picture language book, the the... Revelation will use that number for Satan, and it's kind of neat how that works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of this begins to gel as a book that not only provides you know this beautiful capstone and and culmination of Scripture, um, but it has the kind of language that takes you out of where you are, yeah, and yet brings you home. The songs that are sung, where you're going to say with some of the, you know, the songs that are sung and the way that you end, it takes the restless soul and transports them to say, this is bad, this is bloody, there's darkness, there's all this crazy stuff going on, but it is not um, chaotic. It is ruled, we are victorious, and it ends in glory. Yeah, and you think about that, Handel, who writes his Messiah, right, and he takes scripture passages from promises all the way from the Old Testament and Isaiah, for unto us a child, you know, all that kind of stuff, and all the way in through his deep passion from Isaiah 53, you know, parts of the Messiah, into the New Testament and stuff like that. But how does it end? Everybody thinks it ends with the Hallelujah Chorus. Guess what? That's the second last. Mm -hmm. The last is, worthy is the Lamb. (laughs) It's beautiful. Sorry. No, it's good. Yeah, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Yeah, for me, for you. Mm-hmm. So that's the. Sorry, I get. I think about Revelation and those songs that you said. Wow, you know, we get to sing them. I know. You just feel like you're instantly joining hands with the eternal, everlasting circle of believers. You know this. This one, this one church, yeah. this unity of faith. There's one, there's one savior at the center of it for us. We all. had a, a chance to talk about this kind of stuff in our um, Sunday Bible class. We're talking about worship. Oh yeah. So when you sing, you know, like we do, what is primarily what you're singing about? It's not just to sing, you know, worthy as a lamb, and he's really cool, and he's really great, and he's big, and he's awesome. But you're singing about what he did. 
that's the thing that really gets me, and that's the yeah. thing that's really important that we get from all the songs of the Bible, but even in the Revelation, what they're singing about what he did. Yeah. And you're just repeating it and saying it again and again, because that's what we get to praise him about it's in eternity. something it's just, about music and yeah. singing together yeah, that's yeah. going to be special. But fun stuff, you know, when you get into this book, and I know we're not going to look at have time for even every brushstroke, mm-hmm. but don't you find it amazing that even in the opening introductory chapter, when... The Lord Jesus is telling John, here comes this vision, right? And who I am, I am the Alpha and the Omega, you know, the first and the last. And he's using language already, the firstborn from among the dead, that puts you in mind of his prophet, priest, and king role. And he puts you in mind of the doctrine of the Trinity. And put, It's already there in chapter one, you know, it's just mm-hmm. really amazing. And John then in chapter one is talking about, okay, I'm in, this is a vision. I'm in the island of Patmos for the sake of Christ. And then you get those letters that Seven letters to seven churches, and we did one time a Bible study, and I bet you did this too somewhere in your own uh, work, whether here at Grace or, you know, in your previous calling and stuff about thinking about which of the seven letters to the seven churches most looks like Grace Church in Milwaukee. Mm. And then, of course, uh, the answer is all of them, you know, because mm-hmm. they all have weak spots, but they all have some strengths, and there's some that are really need help and struggling with, you know, dead orthodox. You know, they have the straight teaching, but they don't live it with any care. Yeah. Or they're, or they're living care, and then they're forgetting about doctrine, you know, or the, the vice versa thing. And then you get one that's, you know, the they're, they're uh, lukewarm. Ooh, that you don't want to be the spit you out of my mouth. If you're just going to be on the fence about Jesus, eh, apathetic, no, don't go there. Mm-hmm. And you have the church of the open door, the evangelistic mind. I think of the people at Grace who are so outreach-minded. So those seven churches are, uh, letters are in that very practical. Mm-hmm. And think about other little parts of the book. There's an interlude that comes in there, you know, and chapter five, you start singing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then, you know, in, in the next vision that comes through, that whole business about the seven seals. And, I, you know, we're not talking about, you know, R, R, R at the zoo. Mm-hmm. You know, these are this is a Who book is in those days. This, yeah, and then, it. you know, what's in there? What's in there is information in this book that's going to tell us what our eternity is going to be like. And if I'm hurting and if I'm getting beat on and if I'm getting, like um, Jesus was, you know, like persecuted and whipped and beaten, maybe even nailed to a cross, and I'm scared, and I, in, in our world in 21st century, I'm being made fun of because I'm a Christian, and the Bible doesn't count, and who are you in this postmodern world other than that's just one drop in the mm-hmm. bucket, and coexist bumper stickers, and I got to tolerate everything else that's false, and kind of worry about, is my Bible really, you know, and I, I'm, I'm tr- struggling to hang on and communicate with my friends in a loving way that I'm showing compassion, and yet I want them to understand there is truth, and then they say there is no, you know, all this stuff, and I feel persecuted. But the book says the end goal, the end result, it's it's sealed up in the book. Well, who can open the book? Who can undo mm-hmm. the seal? Who can yeah. Oh, there's only one. So suspenseful. I oh love yeah, it. it's the lamb. He can do it. He mm-hmm. opens it up and he says, Your name's in the book and mm-hmm. you're in, you're good. You're you're in my you're in my family of belief. You're in heaven. You yeah. know that whoa. I mean it's just it's like, like Jesus is our only lens to view all yeah, of life. Yeah. He, he can work, it's yeah. worthy to open it. And how about when you peel into the rest of these chapters and another interlude, another vision and stuff, and the trumpets and stuff like that. And, you know, you get these pictures like Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, before Judgment Day, there's going to be what? There's going to be tension among the nations. There's going to be disasters and earthquakes and famine. And there's going to be disease and stuff like that. There's going to be death. And so these are pictured, you know, horses are coming out in different colors because, you know, the... That, they, that just represent you know, red horses, war, you know, the gray mm-hmm. horses, death, and black is pestilence, you know. So you, if you have that imagery in mind, whenever like the sea is described, 
you're thinking about standing at the beach and watching the waves come in, and I think I could surf that. And I like to body surf with my grandkids, you know, whatever. No, no, no. We're talking standing up on a cliff and watching the sea crash in. It's ominous. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And we think about little horses are so nice. We're just going to pet them, right? I want to go for it. Oh, I, you know, I go watch them in some movie. <laughs> and, you know, you have, you know, in my day there was Fury. That's a television show, by the way, on Saturday morning. It was a black <laughs> horse. Was, and then you have, you know, Roy Rogers riding his golden Palomino. And th- this is my childhood, you know, 60 years ago. But, mm-hmm. uh, and nowadays they have the little horses that the girls want to have, all these little, it's so cute. Uh-uh. Horses, you got to figure wild horses in those days. In Asia Minor, in the Middle East, right, and they're they're tearing at you with their nostrils flared, and they mm-hmm. are galloping, and they are massive, and they are sweating, and their heads are shaking, and they're coming right at you. Look out, you know that. Mm-hmm. So the scariness of a, you know that that's all pictured in there, and you get into other stuff like if you wanted to picture something that's the worst thing ever, how would you do it? So you have like, what would be bad for a Christian to live through in this world? How about secular government? I don't care what form of government it is. It could be democracy. It could be an oligarchy. It could be a monarchy with a king. It doesn't yeah. matter. But if they're putting pressure on Christians, this book says in one of the visions, yeah, that's probably going to happen. You're probably going to have the government not always in favor of letting Christians flourish. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're we're blessed to have some freedom. But guess what? Our government is... It, you know, can can once in a while pass rules and regularly we say, what are you doing? It's going to make our Christian living a little bit tougher and our witness a little bit tougher. Well, it's pictured by this beast of the sea, you know, there's a scary beast with all these heads and horns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then what could else be worse? How about a scarier beast? Right. False doctrine. False doctrine. Because, because uh, we've talked about this before in some podcasts, but, you know, a tornado or, you know, war and famine, that could kill you. Bodily, bodily, but it won't get your soul. Right. False doctrine could take you to hell. So this beast of the earth, which is actually like got the label on its side, I am the visible, I'm the Christian church on earth, the visible church, and it's espousing, espousing false doctrine. This is dangerous to your soul. So that beast is real. And then they get in cahoots with each other, mm-hmm. like secular government and this visible church start to work together to make it hard for us to hang on to Jesus. Whoa, that's just, and then eventually the ultimate bad guy is Satan. He's pictured like a dragon, you know. So this is all in these book yeah. pictures. And we see, yeah. you know, this, and we, we can get scared, but we, what we're doing is not getting scared as much as looking at, yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it's like. It's bad. People were already scared. And here's a book that says, mm-hmm. I know it's scary. Look yeah. at how I see it. You know, yeah. Kind of a yeah. Thing. yeah. Because then what's the end? I'm still in charge here. Mm-hmm. I still win. I mm-hmm. still defeat the dragon eyes and throw him into the abyss. I still win, mm-hmm. and you're on my team. You're on my winning side. You're my yeah. victory's yours. You're coming out. You'll be okay. Yeah, that's what it says. And some of the rich <sighs> applications are, um, besides all that is there to interpret, they're spelled out. This calls for the perseverance of the saints. It does. This calls for you to be in your word. This yeah. calls for you to form a community, you know, and yeah. enjoy each other's encouragement and love and discipline and take it all seriously. Yeah. This is this is not a book for somebody who is going to be a Pollyanna-ish attack at the a look at the world like I'm just going to sort of wish my way through it. I'm just going to it's it's not so bad. I'm okay. Happy happy. No. Reality is there's there's cancer, there's sickness, there's Alzheimer's, there's pain, there's relationship hurts, there's hurt feelings and 
loneliness and there's emptiness and and then there's pain from the outside that I didn't cause, but most of it I, in my life I caused. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's stuff around. It's it's real. It's mm-hmm. just the re- it's a reminder we live in a sinful world. This is not our permanent home. That mm-hmm. was the message in Genesis chapter three, mm-hmm. when God told Adam and Eve, "Guess what? You're going to live in a world, but there's thorns and thistles, babies. It's going to hurt to have them. You're going to have gender tension. Uh, you're dust. You are to dust. You'll return. You're not here forever. But good thing, because I got something better for you." That message in Genesis is the same a revelation. It's a mm-hmm. real world. Don't be just winking at it like everything is happy and everything has to be. And don't spend so much energy trying to make your life just so happy and perfect. Right. Get over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, enjoy it. Enjoy this world. Have fun with your family and friends and you know, and everything. And but mm-hmm. keep in mind the big picture. We have a purpose of a home to come. Yeah. Yeah, all of that spells out a reality in front of believers' eyes <laughs> that says when you get to the end of Revelation, it's a great time to start all over again and keep going. <laughs> I mean, it is a perseverance message. Yeah. It is an endure. It is a keep at it. And it's not It's not a, oh, you finished reading the book. Good. Throw it on the shelf and you're done with it. You know, it's a wonderful encouragement uh-huh. for all of us. I, I really appreciate that um, aspect that you've been able to highlight and and share. And hopefully it's one thing that lets us keep going with the Bible reading challenge, however it's yeah. structured. Um, however people want to go about that, whether they take the podcast and then just mm-hmm. work through a book slowly sometime later, or they pop into your Bible class on a Thursday or roadmaps on Wednesday to have a kind of renewal of this, or whether they're on Sunday morning and they hear these themes come through in their scripture readings on Sunday morning, and that this all becomes more familiar. Why? Because God communicates with mm-hmm. sinful little worms like us to say, you're special, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look at yourself. You're kind of a little nothing, but I look at you as my special children. I love you so much. I want you with me forever. I'll do anything to make that happen. In fact, I'll have my son die to make it happen. Wow. I'll have so. How wonderful for our strength, so we, our joy. So what do we say then, looking forward, like the book ends, right? <laughs> it's all true, right? This, But then come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, come into my life. Come in and take me home. Yeah. And I am, he says. He says <laughs> it back. He's so present. I love it. You just, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming I'm soon. talking to you. I'm going to keep talking that's to you. Right. And I'm coming soon. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I thought you were about to end the podcast with the tagline. But do we have well, to change it for, because of Revelation? Well, I, th- I think with Revelation, <laughs> you do have that Bible passage, though, that does say don't add or subtract, right? Right. But why was, why was God saying that at the yeah. very last book? Why? Yeah. Because this, this is, is most certainly true. true. There it is. I love it. Thank you. You bet. <laughs>